Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Hello, Nia. How are you? I'm excellent. You know why? Why is that? Because I figured out how to make everyone in the world angry. <laughs> like everyone, all the peoples. I figured See, out how to make the courts mad and Congress mad and people who own stuff mad and people who don't own stuff mad. Environmentalists. Everybody. I figured out how to do it. What you do is you take a debt ceiling what law. should be simple yeah. law, and you add a little amendment off to the side. <laughs> which, 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 cute little amendment, right? That yes. And we briefly mentioned it before. Yeah. So uh, but, listeners, uh, but I news? had no idea it was going to actually make people as infuriated as, yeah. as it has made them. So listeners, what and not a few people. No, quite a few. So what uh, listeners, what Nia is referring to is. Um, um, uh, today's podcast is going to discuss um, one of the more controversial um, energy projects currently underway in the United States, uh, the uh, so-called Mountain Valley, Valley Pipeline. Um, MVP. MVP. Um, and um, uh, But the story or the focus of today's podcast episode um, is uh, some stuff that went down this summer. Um, and it relates to a law that Nia and I discussed in a, what at least one, if not two, previous podcast episodes. And that was um, the infamous debt limit ceiling. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, dilemma. Okay. <laughs> Controversy. Uh, okay. Um, you know, uh, the sky is falling. Um, so, yes. That we're going to revisit again in January because they only kicked that can. Yes. Okay. A little ways down, the, down road. the road. Yeah. So earlier this year, Congress passed the Fiscal Responsibility Act. Fra. 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 Okay. Now, um, uh, uh, this is the uh, the deal. Uh, between the uh, Republican-controlled House and the Biden administration to uh, continue or raise the debt limit ceiling until 2025. Oh, that's so, right. It's January of 2025. Yeah, So, because remember, Nia, they, they, they extended it to avoid the elections in November of 2024, right? So. That's right. Now, uh, I've, now yeah. I remember. No. The, the date. I had yes. gotten the date yeah, wrong. The, yeah. So one of the provisions of the law, which was unrelated to the debt ceiling, concerned the Mountain Valley Pipeline, the MVP. All right. Now, for our listeners who don't know what the MVP is, it's a natural gas pipeline that would originate in northwest West Virginia, continue to western and southern Virginia, and then extend into North Carolina. Now, Nia and I have discussed off-recording the MVP a couple of times. It's a very controversial 
uh, energy project um, because there are all kinds of opponents that have lined up, including the MVP requires extensive seizure of private property for the pipeline, right? So a whole bunch of people in all in those three states, their property, okay, will be taken, okay, for the actual pipeline. Okay. Under the under the rule of eminent domain. Yes, the power of eminent domain, right? Which we have discussed on this podcast many times. <laughs> no, when the government says, I sure could use that land for something else, and yes. they offer you what they call market rate, which many people will say is not technically market rate, but below market rate. Um, yeah, but they have this- to pay you. They can't just take your land. Yeah, they, they do they, have to pay you for it, but they, I mean, they don't have to give you what the sentimental value is. This is my grandpa's land. I've had this land. I mean, when you're talking about West Virginia and you're talking about Virginia and you're talking about North Carolina, you were talking about people who have been on that land for generations, for, for generations. Yeah. And to say to them here, here's a hundred dollars an acre for your land. That may be the market rate, but it is certainly not the emotional rate. But anyway, you were well, saying, well, and that touches upon the takings clause of the Fifth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. The government can take, thus the name of the clause, the government can take private property for public use as long as the government provides just compensation, right? Right. So um, other uh, uh, opposition uh, focused on uh, the negative impacts of the pipeline to waterways, forests, and various endangered species. Um, it is a natural gas pipeline, Nia. So uh, there are a bunch of climate folks. change. Would yes. anyone like some climate change? <laughs> yes. Climate change being served in West Virginia. Okay. And then the fourth, um, uh, the pipeline. Okay. Um, and this is the key part for our discussion uh, in today's podcast. Um, would more than likely lead to violations of various existing regulations concerning pollution runoff and sedimentation. Okay. Right. And which is are, where the environmentalists come in because yes. uh, they're, are, they're like, no, 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 no. There are regulations about what you can do about how much pollution you can make. That's right. And these are all controlled um, by the Clean Water Act. Right. So, I mean, a number of federal statutes, the Clean Water Act, Clean Water Act, the Endangered Species Act, okay, (laughs) the Clean Air Act. And again, all of this is supposed to be regulated by the EPA. All right. So in the Fiscal Responsibility Act, there were provisions concerning the pipeline, specifically about the pipeline. Approval of all remaining permits, even if there were objections to the permits being granted. Okay. Yeah, that part, I have to admit, sticks in my craw a little bit. <laughs> okay. That okay. they basically said, we're done having this discussion. Yes. And this was the United States Congress that said this, right? right? The ratification of all prior federal agency permits which was also controversial because the EPA had ratified various elements of the pipeline construction, but the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals 
had rejected some of those approvals. Now, right. for those for listeners, those of you um, um, who uh, are not judicial politics uh, geeks like I am, okay, the states of West Virginia, Virginia, and North Carolina are geographically all a part of the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals in the federal court system. So any appeals of this pipeline were to occur in the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. And this Circuit Court of Appeals, the fourth, was, shall we say, very skeptical. They gave a little (laughs) side-eye. They gave a little (laughs) side-eye to the EPA. Now, the Fiscal Responsibility Act also further uh, constrained judicial review of the permitting approval process. And what judicial review remained was to be removed from the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Now, you might be wondering why might these appeals be Well, the D.C. Circuit, okay, covers all federal agencies, and most federal agencies are headquartered where? In D.C. In D.C. Now, that's the theoretical reason, the very practical reason why all these appeals were removed, was that the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals tends to defer to agency decisions. So they're less skeptical of agency decisions than the fourth circuit, than the fourth had been, right? Uh, Yeah, it's like choosing the judge that'll help you out with your case. Okay. So the Fiscal Responsibility Act was passed earlier this year. On July 10th, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals once again issued a stay. They basically issued an injunction, okay, stopping the permit approval process, okay, um, for the pipeline. Because the Fourth Circuit claimed that the project still had various permitting issues. (laughs) Okay. And that Congress hadn't done it right, basically. Oh, we'll get to that in just a moment. Oh, Okay? okay. Yeah. The Fourth Circuit basically in their July 10th day, acted as though the Fiscal Responsibility Act had didn't never happen. been. Yeah, it did never <laughs> happen. Right? You know what? That's actually, I might take that tack when I'm president. <laughs> I might just say, I, I didn't read that act, so it doesn't, it doesn't apply to me. Which, by the way, the sheer chutzpah, okay, right. of the Fourth Circuit, I mean, even judicial- what act? We didn't hear about any act. We don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Nia, even that judici- is the very teenage response to who broke this lamp. I don't know. I didn't uh, even know there was a lamp there. Lamp. I don't know. I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are you talking to me? Who are you? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Me. Yeah, me and my friends come down to this basement every day after school. I don't recall seeing that lamp. <laughs> right. <laughs> really. Okay. That's like me saying to my 11-year-old daughter, hey, can you put 
get your clothes off the floor in your bedroom. And my I don't daughter, have a floor. <laughs> my, my daughter with a straight face will go in and say, I don't see any clothes on the floor. And I'm like, huh? What? You, do we need to get you different glasses? Yeah. Okay. So the fourth so the fourth circuit court basically said Stop. Stop. Nobody does anything. Yes. Okay. So basically the Fourth Circuit Nia said stop. Okay. But not That's in the cool. name of love. <laughs> <laughs> nice Motown reference, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> wait a minute, wait, wait, that was the Supremes. Okay. Was, oh yeah, Diana Ross and the Supremes. Okay, and, and I and I still remember co- concert footage to where they choreographed the hand out to stop right yes which way okay. that's what you, listeners, you don't know but augie just did this that's yes. what he did to me yes. i'm like yes stop in yes. the name of love except not really yeah so yeah. they were there, like there was, hold, hold was, on hold on hold yeah, on there, there was no anything. love yeah there was no love there so the the backers for the mvp appealed directly to the supreme court now for those of you listeners again who are not you know supreme court geeks like i am this is the time of year that the Supremes are on vacation, right? right? Okay. So they. We had already wrapped up our summer of yes, service. Yes, like, hello, everybody yes. was on vacation. vacation. Right. But the court using its shadow docket. Now, we've discussed the shadow docket, docket in previous podcast episodes. But in short, what the shadow docket is, is where the court gets a motion, an appeal from a party. And instead of having um, full written briefs and oral arguments and deliberation, we'll just get written briefs, okay, from the parties, and then they'll go ahead and make a decision. And it's called the shadow because they do everything behind closed doors. There's no oral argument, okay? They don't. There's no court. There's no um, reporter sitting in the courtroom trying to read the yeah, questions because you know how sometimes when they'll they'll report back and they'll say, clearly Kagan feels this way because she asked the following questions. questions like yeah. they're trying to read the court. Like yeah, and, and there is none a, of that in the in the shadow docket. And with the shadow docket, the decision doesn't even have necessarily an opinion. Right. right. They just say nope. Okay. And what the court did was uh on July 30th, they overturned, okay, without any opinion, the Fourth Circuit Court's stay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. This is the this is like one of those things where you name your dog, you know, stay, and then you say, Go, stay, go, stay. And anyway. So, um when the court issued its ruling on July 30th, almost immediately, okay, there was, you know, media articles, there was commentary on the blogosphere, okay, discussing how it looked like the United States Congress was picking which court it wanted to go ahead and listen to, you know, listen to, right, you know. You know, and th- this somehow violates separation of powers, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, uh, nobody else gets to go ahead and, you know, pick the court that they want to hear this. But let's break this down for just a minute, Nia, right? Now, c- 
Congress got a lot of criticism, and we will discuss some of the criticism of Congress, okay? But I want to remind listeners that all permitting required for energy projects was created because Congress passed laws saying that the permitting was necessary. So if Congress passed those laws, what could they pass new laws, laws that, that undo the old laws? laws. That's that right. Say, oh, it turns out, psych. Yes. We don't right? have any permitting process. So it's if, a free for all. Go ahead, do whatever you want. Or, you know, they could go ahead and leave it to the states. Right. Which is what Or they existed. could change the permitting process. Yes, they could make it more difficult, right? right? So, you know, this all exists because Congress has what constitutional authority, Nia? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You with the Commerce Clause. You with the Commerce Clause. <laughs> Look at you, and you're giggling. You're giggling about this because you love the Commerce Clause, you lunatic. Okay, but the pipeline crosses what? Uh, state boundaries and yes. selling things across state boundaries, but it's also it, affecting it's... people's lives. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I can well, see where. Yes. Right. I can see where Congress claims the right to have the discussion through the Commerce Clause. Okay. But there does seem to be, to me, a little. It does seem to be a little court shopping to pick okay. which court you want things to be heard in. Like, I think that feels a little sketchy. Okay, that may be the case. <laughs> but fundamentally, remember, Congress giveth and Congress can taketh away, right? Okay, and, you know, and I'm paraphrasing uh, administrative law scholar uh, Jonathan Adler, um, who, you know, has written extensively about this particular case. And he went ahead and said, yeah, this looks bad. On the other hand, Okay. Who convinced Congress in the first place that we needed the permitting process? Environmentalists. So if you're going to require, you know, rely upon Congress to create the permitting process, don't necessarily be surprised when Congress goes ahead and says, yeah, not in this case. Right. right. Okay. Or now, right. In terms of court jurisdiction, right. The federal court's appellate jurisdiction, so federal court's ability to hear appeals, Nia, as stated in Article Three of the Constitution, is controlled by Congress, right? So Congress goes ahead and, you know, passed the Clean Water Act, and they gave EPA the authority to issue regulations to clean up our waters. And the EPA comes up with a permitting process, Right. Now, you're not happy with how the EPA does that, right? So you file an appeal, okay, a claim with a federal district court, okay, and you can appeal it to an appellate court or the U.S. Supreme Court, right? Right. But all of that, okay, is controlled by the Congress per Article Three of the U.S. Constitution, Unless you are claiming a constitutional right, okay, and constitutional rights aren't created by Congress, they're found in the Constitution, okay, Congress can go ahead tomorrow and say, 
you have no avenue of appeal in the federal courts. The example I always like to give in my classes, Nia, in my administrative law class is, okay, Social Security, right? Grandma receives a check, right? And uh, she receives a check in part because she qualifies for Social Security, but also because for years she has been disabled and hasn't been able to work. And the Social Security Administration decides, you know, really, grandma can work. She's not disabled, right? So the first avenue of appeal is within the agency. But let's say grandma does not get relief within the agency. Only then can she appeal to a federal court. Only because Congress lets her. Could Congress tomorrow say, sorry, grandma, if you lose in the Social Security Administration, you can't appeal anymore? Yes, Congress can. Because you know what grandma does not have a right to in the U.S. Constitution? An appeal. And a disability check. Oh, right. Okay. So this is, again, an example of Congress giveth and Congress could take away. Okay. All right. Now, and oh, yeah, by the way, not for nothing, there's a well-known Supreme Court precedent from 1869, ex parte McArdle, where the United States Supreme Court said, yes, Congress can change the jurisdiction, appellate jurisdiction of the federal courts, okay, based on statutory law, not constitutional law, but laws passed by Congress. <laughs> okay. And by the way, this is an example of separate but shared powers. Because Congress gets to go ahead and partially control what the executive branch does and what the judicial branch does. Just like the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, okay, issuing injunctions and stays to the EPA permitting process was an example of separate but shared powers. So right. the in, so the institutions are talking with one another quite a bit with this MVP. Right, but they're being crabby. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're talking to each other in a super crabby way. Also, <laughs> uh, also the, the use of the shadow docket mm plays out here in part because the lower courts are being grabby. Oh. Yeah. Right? I mean, part of like the Supremes like to stay out of stuff for the most part. Yeah. They yeah. opt out. Yeah. Right? They get 10 trillion cases a year and they hear 70 of them. They opt out way more than they opt in. But when they opt in, you what court watchers look for is why did they opt in? Exactly. Okay. What's the what's what's the precedent they're trying the controlling precedent or what's what is it they're trying to establish here? And often it is the spanking of a lower court. Yeah, and the the, the, the court's use of the shadow docket has been criticized, particularly because there's been an increased use no, of the shadow right. docket, right? right. Um, but you know. As I pointed out in a previous podcast episode, Nia, one of the reasons why the, sh 
the, 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 the number of cases on this shadow docket has increased is that the Supreme Court is dealing with lower courts who are issuing rulings that are just nuts. Not, yeah, I was going to say less than credible, but nuts <laughs> works crazy. Okay. Where you're just kind of sort of like, what were they thinking? Okay. They were practically begging the Supreme Court. And by the way, the Supreme Court on their annual summer furlough, and by the way, the vote was nine to zero on the Supreme Court. Not even the liberals on this court were willing to go ahead and say, yeah, Fourth Circuit, what you're doing is fine. No, it wasn't fine, right? Congress passed a law. The Fourth Circuit didn't like it. And the Fourth Circuit basically acted like the law did not exist. Wow. Right? <laughs> like, no, no, no. <laughs> okay. You can't just pretend that. But that by the way, you cannot just pretend, pretend that 535 yeah. people didn't vote on something. Like you can't. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, we, of all the don't... times, of all the times we and others have been critical of the United States Con Congress of recent vintage. Oh, and for freaking heck, they did something. Don't. <laughs> Don't ignore that. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. sets a bad message, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, when you do things, we are, we're going to overturn them. Well, then why the heck should I bother? Yes. But, like, I mean, there's some real reinforcement there of bad, bad mm -hmm. habit. But anyway, where's the president come in? Is he in, is he in this mix at all? Well, to me, this is pretty fascinating because the MVP uh, uh, pipe, you know, the, the construction, okay, the EPA in two different presidential administrations was getting a pass. <laughs> okay. And this is yeah, where some, the some EPA just was like, sure, go ahead. And this is where some of the blame needs to be put on uh, the EPA in both the Trump and Biden administration. Yeah. Doesn't it seem weird that the EPA wasn't more sort of up in arms about, wait, won't this make things gross and polluted and bad? And Yeah. And in, in one sense, I understood it when it was the Trump administration EPA, because Trump was- Low regulations. Less regulations. Yeah. Fewer, uh, fewer regulations. Yeah. Fewer regs. And he was also uh, pro-fossil fuel, right? right? Openly skeptical about clean energy, <laughs> but that's not the case with the Biden administration, right? And yet, but what's underlying all of this, Nia? Okay, um, is um, uh, the the actions, the preferences, the policy preferences of one rather important senator? Oh, are you talking about? The other Uncle Joe? Yes. The one with the boat? The party boat? <laughs> Senator Joe Manchin. I'm okay. telling you, he has a party boat in, like, it's a whole thing. Yeah. We and, talked uh, about it one time about yeah, his yeah, 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 yeah. wild parties. and. Okay, yeah, that's docked somewhere in the Potomac or on yeah, the Potomac. And, right? and apparently it's known as a, as a good time. During COVID, he had parties, even though people were, you know, supposed to stay more than six feet from each other. Nope. In listeners, Nia, uh, neither Nia uh, nor I have received invites. I was okay. going to say, we'll ever be invited. <laughs> it's not that we haven't yet. It's that we never, never will be. Will be. <laughs> I, I may actually be president of the United States and still not invited <laughs> to be on that boat. So you might be wondering... Okay, 
Senator Joe Manchin, um, a Democrat from West Virginia. Um, Which he, right there, that sentence that you just said is weird. Is weird because – A Democrat from West Virginia. Yeah, because increasingly West Virginia has become overwhelmingly Republican, right? right. Very I mean, red. You know, you know, most of the statewide elected officials um, in West Virginia are Republicans. Um, uh, Donald Trump, uh, when he ran, carried 20- it by about seven thousand <laughs> percent. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> okay. I don't know that Joe Biden got any votes in West Virginia. <laughs> okay. If he did, it was very few. So Manchin's in a you know a pretty awkward position. He's you know the 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 lone Democrat in a state that's Republican, and he's uh, up for re-election in um, uh, 2024. Um, and his vote in regards to the debt ceiling negotiation, the Fiscal Responsibility Act, was extremely important because pretty much every Republican in the Senate indicated that they weren't going to vote for the debt ceiling um, uh, deal. Right. Um, so he was in a position of leverage. Right. And, I, and you know what happens when there's leverage in Congress? Pork. Yes. Pork okay. is what happens. Yeah. Whenever anybody has leverage, yes. what they say is, what, what are you going to do for me? What have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I'm telling you, Joe Manchin has sat in a very sweet spot for quite a while with that leverage, with that piece of leverage that, that they needed him and they needed his vote. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how long that can go on. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, because the demographics are changing anyway. I mean, if they don't, if they don't need his vote next time because Republicans control the Senate. Yeah. Then they can, ignore. then Joe Manchin, yeah. like all this yeah. stuff that he's gotten, will just go poof. And yeah. that'll be that. Yeah. So in many ways, the Senate, during the entirety of the Biden administration, being so closely divided, has put him in the proverbial catbird seat. Right. Okay. Uh, Where everybody has to pay attention to him. Um, And if he feels like he's been slighted at all, um, he has outside, outsized influence. Um, And he used it in this particular instance um, where he sent a very clear message. Okay. Um, that the delays for the MVP had to end and that the jurisdiction on any outstanding appeals would be shifted from the Fourth Circuit to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Right. Okay. Um, And I don't know if this uh, will ultimately benefit him if he decides to run for re-election. The last thing... Probably won't hurt. Yeah. um, I mean... Uh, as we are recording the previous week, Manchin gave an interview with a, a local West Virginia newspaper where he went ahead and said that he hasn't rolled out running as an independent for the presidency in 2024. Right? Really? Yes. Oh, that would be interesting. Oh, for <laughs> listeners, we are going to do a whole bunch of stuff next year about the election. Yeah, the, and we yeah. have all, all kinds of things lined so, up. But... Yeah, yeah. Oh, that would certainly be interesting. There'd be a lot of people who would vote for him. Um, he's much younger than either of the two likely front runner candidates. Well, yes. I don't know that Biden has a 
an opponent. Trump has several opponents, opponents. currently, yeah, but yeah. he's far and ahead of them yeah. in, in terms of polls and stuff. And I think Biden, if there is an opponent out there, Biden isn't being touched by them yet. Yeah. So, I mean, but, it, but it, it, I, I want to hear Augie curse. Yeah. So I'm going to ask him a question. And um, for listeners who, who we're sorry, the language is about to get just a little bit salty. <laughs> so you might want to, you know, take a break from us for a minute here. But what's going to happen to the private property owners with the MVP? Okay. They? they got screwed. Okay. They got screwed in the worst way, right? Their state screwed them because not only does the EPA have permitting a permitting process, but so do the states, right? And none of the states back them, right? So the state screwed them, okay? The EPA screwed them, Congress screwed them, okay? And then the court screwed them because there are property owners in all three states who don't want the pipeline to run their through their property. on their property, right? And, and and in many instances, and not even talking about eminent domain, because in some instances they're not asked to give up the entire property. Just it a, would actually literally run through their through property, the property. That's right. Which, you know, they don't know whether that's going to hurt their yeah and their and, property, their crops, their animals. And in, in many instances, they're they oppose the pipeline not because they're environmentalists. They just don't want their property, okay, to be violated, okay, to be used by somebody else, okay. Um, they just like their property. They like well, it and, intact. They don't like it to be <laughs> violated, right? Well, and I had a question for you about that, yeah. and you may not know the answer, yeah. but so let's just say that you have Augenbaugh Farms yeah. and in, in Virginia, and you have lots of I don't know, happy chickens running around, chickens everywhere, right? Yeah. And you do them in that field way, right? Where they're yes. out in the field, they're not in a big barn or whatever. And, and they're you, just frolicking you, about, yes. They're frolicking, chicken yes. frolicking. Yes. And you get old. Yes. And you're like, I don't want to be a chicken farmer anymore. I want to move to the beach and stick my feet in the sand. Okay. So you want to sell your property to me. Okay. I want to be a chicken farmer. Yeah. Can you sell your property if there is a federal pipeline? I could I could sell it. Through it? I could sell it, but there would be language in the transfer of the deed that you know certain property of mine, okay, is now the legal possession of Say, for instance, the MVP. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you would basically be selling me the land on either side of that yes. pipeline. Uh -huh. Yeah. But I couldn't then buy the land and say, I don't want this ugly pipeline on my land. Nope. It's already, it's already, do anything to it. It's, that's, it, that that's is already permanently been taken. Okay. It's already been taken. Yes. Okay. okay. And again, that's part of the issue. I mean, because for some of these families, as you pointed out earlier in the podcast, this property has been within their family for generations, right? Also, 
I'm not likely to buy a farm that's divided by yes. a pipeline <laughs> yes. if I can buy a farm that is not divided by a pipeline, right? Yeah, like, yeah, and that's, that's always the other thing is it's going to alter the value of, the, I mean, the, just the straight up value, value of that of the, property. The, that's right. Okay. Because unless you put it at the edge of my property and my property is now divided, yes. I probably have to sell it in two parcels. At least two parcels. Because or- – because you know, and, and, and that's and that's part of the argument that um, uh, uh, property owners have made, and has been largely rejected by the courts. That even if it's only a part of their property, or even if only certain uses of their property are limited, okay, it's effectively been taken because right. they can't in- taking yes. Because they can't enjoy it to the full like they intended either when they bought it or, or when it was handed down. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. Similar um, to people who have farms at the southern border. Yes. Like in half their farm is in Mexico and half their yeah. farm is in <laughs> Texas. Yes. Selling that is impossible. It is. Imp- yes, it is impossible. Okay. You, you know. Yeah. I mean, because you have two. So there is an argument to be made there in terms of property yeah. ownership. And if you think that life, liberty, and property are the most important values, I mean, I don't know how the founders would feel about this. Oh, I, It's I, an th- interesting question because yeah. they would say in, on one side, you have the common good of, uh, of more energy. Right. Yes. And we know yeah. that more energy does in some ways good things. Right. It, it allows for crops. It allows for travel. It allows for all kinds of stuff. But the, by the flip of that, a man's property is what he is all he has in the world. Like, yeah, because the, the, for the many lock- of the founders, they would have seen that as a sacred. Yeah. For, you know, the, yeah. The locking notion of 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 property, property was the most important of those three that you just mentioned, right. life, liberty, and property, property right. was. Okay. And again, you could pass it on. Yeah, you could pass it on. And as he pointed out, it gives you the uh, potentially uh, the, 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 the most significant fulfillment of who you are as a person. Okay. It also in their time gave you the right to vote. Yes. Right. So voting was about yeah. property ownership. Yeah. So this these were all significant reasons why you valued property more than life and liberty, right. because your life and your liberty m- would not mean as much if you didn't have property. Right. Okay. Um, you know, and we're now into the you know twenty uh, first century, and many Americans, you know, the idea of owning property is a pipe dream because they can't afford it, and interest rates are going up, et cetera, et cetera. And they're like, "What's the big deal about property?" Well, you know, you got to go back into the country's history, um, but property is extremely important. Um, and, and as we mentioned before, for some for some families, it's all they have. Sure. It's- yeah, yeah, that's that's the legacy, right? Yeah. That's the legacy yeah. that you give your kids, and so if you if you can't provide that for your children, there's there's a, a whole social potential breakdown there. Yes, um, and and again, you know, for our listeners uh, who are not from um, you know rural parts of the United States, um, their conception or you know the importance of property um, um, off you know, the chart. Yeah, socially, economically, politically. There, there have um, been 
towns gone to war over a foot of property. Yes. That that sign is on my property. No, it's on my property. I mean, I mean, I mean, things people will say and do to each other over a quarter acre of land is amazing. Listeners, Nia has heard me uh, uh, tell this story off recording, uh, but I grew up in a small town in upstate Pennsylvania, and uh, my mom's house and property is located on what now the EPA calls a floodplain. Um, but it wasn't a floodplain when she bought the house and the property, right? And um, uh, it, it was remarkable when in the 80s, the EPA wanted to reclass- reclassify um, that neighborhood as a floodplain because it would place restrictions on what people could do with their property, Right. right? Um, right. and, and, and it was in many remar- instances you can't sell. Yes. I mean, and, and, and it was remarkable, Nia, the way it brought together people who for, in some cases, decades hated one another, never talked <laughs> to one another, but now they had a common enemy. I was going to say the EPA can often make a common, a common, make themselves a common enemy, right? Because you get activists in bed with people who. I mean, otherwise, they who don't would normally, normally they wouldn't even talk to. They would walk on the other side of the street because they didn't like them. Right. Right. Um, and, 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 and in the situation didn't get resolved until the Army Reserve, uh, the Army Reserve has a building and the Army Reserve just stepped in and said, OK, um, we can't abide by those restrictions for a floodplain. And then all of a sudden, the EPA was just like. Okay, well, I guess we're not going to do that, right? It's <laughs> okay. like it's not really a floodplain. Good luck with the water. Yeah. Okay, but this is an important. This is really confusing. I mean, because you know, a, a lot of people when they saw what the Supreme Court did in this case, they immediately was just like, you know, the Supreme Court stepped in, and you know, the Congress is picking which, and and, and I'm like, okay. Yeah, on the surface, it looks that way. But also remember, this is the modern administrative state. I was going to say, this is your dream. This kind of thing is the sort of thing that you and your people, and by your people, I mean public law scholars. Yes. We're like, you you dream about these sorts of things. Like, oh, this is so complicated. It will take years to unwind. In in, in listeners postscript, as we are concluding this episode postscript, okay, the week we are recording, okay, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals handed down a decision this week where they uh, responding to a motion from the MVP backers to conclude, okay, um, you know, all litigation within the Fourth Circuit. The Fourth Circuit went ahead and dismissed all the challenges, but all three of the judges on the, the panel wrote opinions <laughs> where they criticized the United States Congress. They couldn't get it. They just couldn't resist getting in that one, one last jab. <laughs> you can you can move out of our jurisdiction, but we're going to have something to say about it. <laughs> it, was, it was phenomenal. I'm reading and I'm like, oh, wow, you guys just couldn't resist, <laughs> right? And again, you know, this is how people 
in high positions of, you know, high government positions, this is how they argue with one another, right? right. This is how the institutions are just like, okay, you guys won this one, but we just want to go ahead and tell you we didn't like it, okay? Um, and don't be doing this again. <laughs> right. Right. Don't make me come over there. <laughs> Yeah, Although don't make me st- don't make me don't make me stop this car. Right? In some instances, have you do you remember um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Or yes, yep. He gets at one point uh, an arrow goes shunk into the guy's chest, yes. and it's got a note on it, and he says, "Message for you, sir." As he's dying, <laughs> as he's as he's falling over, it feels a little like that. Yeah, 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 shunk. Yeah. You know, like like they had to shoot off one last arrow. They had to get one yeah. last fuselage fuselage in there, yes. of you know. Yeah. Okay, but just so you know, we're not happy about it. Like, it okay, it, we we figured you weren't happy about it. Nobody, what and what I it brings me back to the beginning of this episode. No one here is happy. Yeah, no, nobody. Not, yeah, no. EPA is not happy. The owners are not happy. MVP is not happy. But neither court is happy. Congress is not happy. Biden is not happy. Like, there's no one who you, thinks, "Well, this was a great idea. We should do this again." You imagine uh, how unhappy the justices were that they had to interrupt their summer, summer vacation. <laughs> what did you do on summer vacation? <laughs> Well, at least they have an essay to write now. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> imagine John Roberts. Damn, okay, everybody. Damn, we just concluded a term that you know extracted a heavy price. I'm sorry, guys. We're gonna. It's kind of sort of like a department chair saying, "I'm sorry, guys, but this is an important matter, and we're gonna have to meet on Friday afternoon." Right. <laughs> and everybody going, "You've got to be kidding!" By Friday afternoon, all I want is a beer and for you to stop talking. Um, can can we though, as we go, yes. I'd like to make note of the fact that this was a nine zero yes um, yeah. ruling. Yeah, and and it brings us back again to the to the statement that Augie and I live by, which is this court isn't nearly as divided as the media would have you believe. No, it isn't. No. There, yeah. While some of the cases are divided, a huge number of them come out straight up. No, 9-0, right? I mean, in this past Supreme Court term, uh, well over 40% of the cases were 9-0 or 8-1. Yeah, I mean, I mean okay. Justice I mean, Thomas being out okay. being crabby. Yeah, or, the, or, or, but, or Alito. But I mean, you know, again, listeners, think about if you've worked in small groups. Right. I mean, and, and, and getting and, this much agreement all the time. So, yeah, I mean – I mean, Nia and I. It's not as bad as they say it is. Yeah, Nia and I work for a university, right? If we walk out of a departmental meeting where the with vote agreement, was, <laughs> yeah, with any agreement, right? We're like, wow, that was a good meeting. Exactly. <laughs> We're like, hey, we got in the hang of this. Then we come back for the next one, and we get told, no, no, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't, right? And we then don't have the hang of this. And then there's a, and, there's and, one group I mean, off library, to one side, yeah. Libraries, we're pretty collaborative and we're pretty 9-0 most of the time, like what I think of as like agreeing and stuff. Yeah. But even we don't have this kind of record. I mean, they're doing they're doing pretty well. I just wanted to note that for the record yeah. that they're yeah. they're not, even though this is a hugely messy yeah. bunch of you know, case mess. facts. Yeah, yeah. I mean I mean the I mean, case facts here, I mean, me is correct. 
I mean, if you're a public law scholar and you're sitting around with a bunch of other folks at a public law conference, oh. okay, o- over drinks, okay, we're gonna need another bottle of wine. We've got more to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, this thing's gonna go all night. Somebody better order some pizza. Is that right? Isn't that what they used to say about? Um, the White House, they knew they yes. were working on important stuff when the, you'd see the pizza delivery trucks because <laughs> they were up all night. Yeah. So, but yep. thank you, Augie, because this, uh, uh, well, it makes me a little sad that it's made everybody angry. Yeah. And that yeah. it's frustrated everybody. But there's a part of me that thinks, yeah, but this is how government actually gets stuff done. Yes. You keep fighting about it until until an answer is arrived at. And the answer here is the D.C. Court of Appeals, because Congress has the right to do that. Yeah, yeah. And the Fourth Circuit has to sit down and be quiet, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. Well, they don't have to be quiet, but they have to sit down. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, mean, I mean, I think this was an instance of it working. Yeah, I mean, this it's kind an of instance re- of it working the way it's kind of supposed to work. This kind of reminds me, um, as we conclude the episode of um, – when I was a much younger person, I was a bartender and we would get to closing time. <laughs> and I would say to You don't have to go home, but you can't you stay here. here right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's basically what was said to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, right? You don't you don't have, you don't have to, to do go. anything, but you can't be you're not part of this. That's, that's right. You don't have to go home. You just can't stay here. <laughs> <laughs> And there would be, oh, man. there would be that bar fly at the corner who would be he like, would grumble. <laughs> you'd be like, but where am I going to go? I'm like, I don't know. Okay. And this was pre Uber. And I'd be like, and I can call you a taxi. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> Anyways, uh, Nia, thank you. Thank you. Augie. This has been excellent. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.